as you're being seated, if you will find your Bible, and we will be in John chapter 13 today. Question for you, if you knew that you were leaving this world tomorrow, what would you say to your children? What would you say to your friends? What would you say to your family? Put it another way, what would your last words be? What would your last words be? You heard about the lady whose last words were, I told you I was sick. Our Socrates, who's rumored to have said, uh, I drank what? <laughs> Some of you will get that later. But uh, here's how Jesus answered this question just before the passion story really begins to unfold. He's in the upper room with his disciples, and he says to them, children, I am with you a little while longer. They didn't completely understand what he meant by that. But he goes on to say, you will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I tell you, I give you a new command. Love one another, just as I have loved you. You must also love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, notice what Jesus did not say to his disciples just before he left them. He didn't say, I really wish for you that you'll have a great career. He didn't say to them, I really just want for you to be happy. I want you to live a nice, safe, quiet life. He didn't say to them, what I really hope for you is that you will take the next step and you will get involved in a Bible study and you will be a lifelong learner. He did say this, I want you as my disciples to love one another. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. There's a sister passage to this in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 34. The Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. So they come together and one of them, who's an expert in the law, he comes to Jesus and he asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? And Jesus said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. That comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. But then notice what Jesus says to the man in verse 39. He says, The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then notice what he says in verse 40. All the law and all the prophets, basically all the Old Testament, all the scriptures, depend on these two commands. They hang, is the Greek imagery, on these two commands that we love the Lord and we love our neighbor. So in these two passages, bringing them together, Jesus simplifies Christianity for us. He really brings it down to something that we can understand. We are to love God, we are to love one another, and we are to love others. In fact, let's say that together. Love God, love one another, and love others. In society, there is a subculture that I call preschool world. It can be a deep, 
harrowing adventure to enter into preschool world. And it's one of those worlds that if you're not in it, you don't completely understand it. And I've also noticed with parents that as they move out of preschool world, they kind of develop this amnesia and they forget about what it's really like to live in preschool world. Now, to be honest, preschool world is really a foreign land to a guy. I jumped into it for the first time six years ago whenever we had our daughter, Karis. And in preschool world, suddenly a man is thrown into a world of diapers, cartoons, organic cheese sticks. I mean, you wrestle, you stay up late at night wrestling with questions like, what's the best car seat? Uh, Do I vaccinate? When should I start the college applications at age three or age five? Uh, Preschool world changes your marriage. I mean, there's like a graph. Okay, whenever your gorgeous wife married you, she thought you were funny, right? But with each child, you become less and less funny. You know, you go from here to here with child one, here to here with child two. By the time you get to child three, you're not funny at all, man. I mean, it's, it's totally changed. I mean, it changes things in your world, and it can be a, a very, very confusing world. You know, I thought I was out of preschool world just when I thought I was out. Then it dragged me back in. And now I'm back in it for another five or six years. Well, I was thinking about as confusing as that world, and really it's only second only to adolescent world, but as confusing as preschool world is, uh, sometimes being a disciple and being involved in church and trying to grow in church, it can be a very confusing world. We have our own language in Christianity. Do I say you or do I say thou? Do I call it a party? We're having a class party. Or do I call it a fellowship? Do I call it dancing? Or do I call it choreographed movement? We have our own language. We have all these words that end in Y. Let us glorify Him. Let us justify. He justified us. We're sanctified. We magnify. We multiply. And have you ever noticed how many people groups in the Bible end in ites? Hittites, Jebusites, Malachites, Ammonites, Israelites, all these people that end in ites, and you're like, how do I even say these names? And then there's all these things that as a disciple, I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to sing. I'm supposed to listen to preaching. I'm supposed to tithe. I'm supposed to go to life group. I'm, I'm supposed to be involved in ministry. There's events. We, we need to go to VBS. We need to go to D-Now. Church is going on a mission trip. We need to go on a mission trip. Oh, look, they're hosting a daddy-daughter uh, choreographed movement fellowship at the church this week. So we got to go to that as well. And then you have old school Christians and new school Christians. And there's this question, okay, do I be an old school Christian and get a really big Bible and wear a suit? Tire? Do I be a new Christian and shave my head and get some really cool glasses and wear skinny jeans? You know, which one am I supposed to be? And oh my, I don't like coffee. Can I be a Christian if I don't like coffee? I mean, all Christians drink coffee, and and so it can be a, a really confusing thing. And wouldn't it be nice if somebody with authority would just simplify it for me? Well, there's no greater authority than Jesus Christ. And he did just this for us. He did just that for us. He said, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You must also love one another. And by this, by this, 
all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus says, let me make it really simple for you. Love one another, and people will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. So as we look at this passage, there's a command, there's an example, and then there's a result. The command is to love one another. Now, this is a command, not a suggestion. Jesus doesn't tell us, if it's your spiritual gift, love one another. He doesn't say, if you feel like it today, love one another. He doesn't say, just love the people that are nice or the people that are like you or the people that are in the same life stage as you. He says, if you're my disciple, you are to love one another. And he says, this is a command. He, he uses the word, you must, a new command I give to you. Now, in our country, we really don't uh, do commands real well. We tend to say, uh, how about a suggestion, not a command? But Jesus is saying to us, if you're going to follow me, you must do this. In our house, we have a one-year-old Labrador retriever that I am trying to train. And one of the things I, I'm learning is with a Labrador Retriever, you, you don't make suggestions. You don't say, can you sit? Oh, please. Will you please sit for me? No, you say, sit. And she sits. You don't say, hey, if you feel like it, heal. You have to say, heal. Well, Jesus is saying, hey, love one another. This is a command. I'm not asking you if you feel like it. I'm not asking you to only do it whenever it's easy. I'm saying, if you're my disciple. You've got to plow through some swampy land with people. If you're my disciple, you have to live in community with people. If you're my disciple, you have to learn to get beyond yourself and your own selfishness, and you have to learn to love one another. But the good news is, is that Jesus empowers us through his spirit to be able to love one another. Loving one another suggests community, not isolation. Hey, listen, this is one of the reasons why I love church. I sometimes run into this question of, uh, can't I worship God just as well at home as I do at church? And the answer to that is, yeah, you can have a tremendous time worshiping God at home as opposed to coming to the church. Uh, but, but here's where it breaks down, is that Christianity is lived in real time. In other words, what, what I'm getting at is that God didn't design you to live on an island of isolation. Your name is not Gilligan. God designed you to live in community with one another. Uh, in the Great Commission, Jesus says, go and make disciples, teaching one another what it means to obey all that I have commanded. Once again, Jesus is taking what we know about God and he is thrusting it into real life that we're supposed to help one another along this journey. So often, we think that discipleship is a solo sport, but in reality, it's a team sport. We walk through life with one another. We learn what it means to love one another, to care for one another, to be there for a person whenever they go through a difficult time, to be there for a person whenever they celebrate new life in Christ. Being, being a disciple of Jesus Christ means that we are living with God's people, living, doing church together. Hey, guess what? If you put a whole bunch of people into a church together, that place isn't going to be perfect, is it? 
But God's called us to live life in the middle of that imperfection. And he is perfect within the imperfection. And we have to learn to love one another and live in grace. Grace is the greatest gift that God has ever given you. Extend it to others. Love one another. Now, the word in Greek that is translated love here comes from the Greek word agape or agapeo. It's a different kind of love than a worldly love. It's self-giving rather than selfish. Agape love is not about what's in it for me. It's directed to the other person's well-being. It's not driven by the other person's loveliness or worth. In fact, I can extend love to somebody who is not lovely because I'm extending the love that God has extended to me. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus gives us a simple command. You're to love one another. Now, he also gives us an example. We are to love one another just as Jesus loved us. We're to follow the example of Jesus. Now, any of you that have been in the military, one of the things that they teach in the military is that you tell the men what to do or the the men and women what to do, and then you also give them an example of what it looks like. So Jesus gives a command, men, love one another. But then he also gives them an example. This is what it looks like. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 describes the attitude that we should have in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come down as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now the passage begins, make your attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, you don't get any greater than existing in the form of God, existing in the form of God, emptied himself and took on the likeness of men. He humbled himself and was obedient to God even to the point of death. And Jesus and the scriptures teach us this should be our attitude. Think about how Jesus lived life. Now, I think Jesus enjoyed life. I think Jesus laughed. Seems like he ate quite a bit. You find him eating a lot in the New Testament. But you also see Jesus always reaching out to the poor. You see him caring about those people in society that were the outcast. You see Jesus uh, bringing spiritual sight to the spiritually blind, loving the disillusioned, the ill find health, the lonely find comfort. He loved the outcast, and he also loved the beautiful and the powerful. Jesus was always living his life for others. Some of Jesus' philosophies were fairly radical, are very radical, I should say. Have you ever read the Beatitudes? Have you ever read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7? Jesus said some things that can rock your world, can change your entire perspective. Listen to some of the things that Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 5. He said, the gentle are blessed, for they will inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst 
for righteousness are blessed, for they will be filled. The merciful are blessed, for they will be shown mercy. The pure in heart are blessed, for they will see God. The peacemakers are blessed, for they will be called the sons of God. If you ever have any question as to what love looks like, just look to the cross. When we see Jesus on the cross, we see what it looks like to love one another. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9 says these words, God's love was revealed among us in this way. Now, catch that imagery there. God loves you and he didn't just hide that love. Instead, he revealed, I'm going to demonstrate my love to you. How did God reveal his love to us? God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Grace precedes faith. God loved us even while we were yet sinners. It was God's love that motivated him to send his son. It was God's love that motivated his son to die on the cross as a propitiation, a large, fancy word, meaning a covering for our sins. Now, don't miss the last verse. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, We must also love one another. If God loved me in this way, I must also love you. The same love that I have been saved in, I must learn to extend to others. Now let's bring all this together. We have a command to love one another. We have an example in Jesus Christ. And then Jesus says, you have a result. He says, if you love one another just as I have loved you, by this, verse 35 of John 13, by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. If you have love for one another, by this all people will know that you're the real deal. Now, I said earlier that sometimes Christianity and discipleship, it can be a little bit confusing. What is it that I'm supposed to do? What is it that I'm supposed to learn? Uh, Wouldn't it be nice if somebody just simplified it for me? Well, here it is. People will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Jesus didn't measure discipleship by how much you know. He didn't measure discipleship by whether or not you can recite the Sermon on the Mount, how many times you came to life group, how loudly you sang, how much money you give, all those things are good things. I want you to learn the Sermon on the Mount. I I want you to sing. I I want you to give. I I want you to give generously. I want you to, to do the works of the disciple. But more than that, I want you to be 
a disciple. And Jesus said, people will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. Now, here's what I hope that you get today. Here's what I want for you. I want you to leave here knowing that being a disciple comes down to being like Jesus Christ. In fact, that's, that's how I define discipleship. Discipleship is going and being like Christ. That's what a disciple does. He follows Christ. He tries to be Jesus Christ in the world around him. The Apostle John said it this way in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 5. He said, this is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. This is how we know we're his. We walk as he walked. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, Therefore, be imitators of God. Go and imitate God as dearly loved children and walk in love as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Jesus said it this way, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Discipleship simplified. Go and be like Christ. Can you imagine the difference that we could make in this world if we just simply went and tried to be like Christ. As we not so subtly communicated, today's my birthday. You say, well, Lash, what's your birthday wish? What is it that you would love? I would love it if we would just leave this room today and go and be like Christ. My imagination runs wild as to what would happen in our community? What could happen in our homes? What could happen in our schools? What could happen in our places of business if we would just take seriously that being a disciple means that I walk as Christ walked, that I try to go out through the power of the Holy Spirit within me. I try to go out and be like Christ. When I'm in the grocery store, there's an opportunity for me to be like Christ. When I'm sitting in a restaurant, there's an opportunity for me to be like Christ. When I'm at that Little League baseball game watching my kids surrounded by parents, many of them hurting, there's an opportunity for me to go and be like Christ. Everywhere I go, there are opportunities for me to go and be like Christ. Can you imagine how our relationships would change? Could you imagine how our attitudes would be transformed? How cynicism would be drained and love would begin overflowing in our lives if we just took seriously this idea that being a disciple is not a solo sport. It's a team sport. That it's not just about what I know. It's about how I'm living. If our actions could be transformed, our hearts could be transformed, and we would come to the realization that the goal of it all is for us to go and be like Christ. In my mind, I can see marriages healed because instead of going your separate ways, trying to live for your selfish ideas and your own selfish love, instead you turn the focus around and you start loving one another and your marriage finds healing and your marriage finds common ground. I can see families that have lost the art of 
of laughter, once again laughing together and enjoying time with one another and families beginning to realize that as a family unit, they can make a difference. I can see neighborhoods being transformed. I realize this world is enormous. There are billions of people in this world and the whole concept of transforming the world can seem overwhelming at times. So how about this? How about the 400 or so people that are here today start living the simple command to go and be like Jesus Christ? How about we do this? Right here where we live. How about we take this seriously as individuals and say, Lord, help me to go and be like Christ. How about we take that into our home? Help me to be like Christ as I raise my kids. Help me to be like Christ as I love my spouse. How about we take that into our schools? How about we take that into our businesses and our communities? How about we learn our neighbors' names and start praying for them? How about we try to look for needs in the community and reach out to people at their point of need? And we simply say, Lord, help us as a church to go and be like Christ. Jesus said, this is how they're going to know that you're my disciple. This is how they know you're authentic. If you're living it. If you're being like Christ. By the way, those kids that are in your home that call you dad or mom. They're constantly taking pictures in their mind. And when they look at you, do they see Christ? Do they see you looking, being Christ? I love this church so much. I care about you. And I want this for you. I want you to understand that being a disciple is more than just what you know. It's who you are. So let's agree to this today. Let's go and be like Christ. Amen? Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Our heads bowed. Our eyes closed. The band's going to come. And uh, they're going to lead us in worship. I'll be here at the front if I can pray with you, help you, encourage you. It's always my honor to pray with you. Uh, if, if today needs to be your day of salvation, come see me. Just say, Lash, I need to be saved. That's what Abby did a couple weeks ago. She said, I, I need to make this official. I need to believe in Christ. And if, if today needs to be your day of salvation, come and see me. Hey, let's worship the Lord. Let's don't waste this time. Let's sing to the greatness of our God. Let's make him known. Let us be disciples who are overflowing in song. Father, thank you for making it so simple for us today, for clearing up confusion. Help us, Lord, to love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Help us, Lord, to love one another and help us to love others. May this be the drive of our life to make much of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and worship. Amen.